Okay, so this is now the third episode of our very insightful discussion about Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Uh, and as before, due to the fitting structure of the book, we're going to read part three or discuss part three today. We also, so I'm going to summarize very briefly, and this time I'm actually going to try and be brief what happened in part three. So, so we left off part two, maybe start there. We left off part two where Raskolnikov and Razumikin came to Raskolnikov's place where Raskolnikov's mother and sister awaited them. And chapter one starts then with them. The conversation between them starts then. I think I'm going to summarize the beginning very briefly by saying there's just a lot of talking in the first two chapters. You know, obviously, Askonikov's mother and sister don't expect Askonikov to be in the state that he's in when they decided to visit him. So they're all very upset. And Raskolnik, and then, I can't remember exactly what, I think Razumikin then says, well, you guys go home to like the, the, the place that they're staying in. He will call the doc, he'll get the doctor again. They'll look after Askolnikov for the night and the others should just relax. Uh, then we also learned that probably the most important piece of information in the entire book, Raskolnikov's sister is very attractive, at least in the eyes of Razumikin, who immediately starts hitting on her, as you do. Although, somehow I expected this to be like a major, like a plot point that continues throughout the part, but then I think he was just drunk, and then after that he feels a bit shitty about having done that, and that's the end of it, pretty much. Then... Yeah, I think then basically there's, then it's just the next day, right? When after Raskolnikov, he feels much better now. He seems, at least at the beginning, to be much more normal. Um, and they all have a long discussion, but then you, all, everyone realized very quickly that, like they said, like he seems all fine, but then everyone kind of already seems suspicious of the way he's behaving because he's still being a bit weird the entire time and everything seems a bit affected. His sister then actually confronts him about the whole, or rather Raskolnikov then says, by the way, I still don't want you to marry Lucin. It's either him or me. And his sister says, dude, what's your problem? Um, and then says, like, I am not marrying him to save you. I'm marrying him for my own sake. I think they then pretty much leave. And then Raskolnikov and Razumikin decide to visit Razumikin's, I believe, cousin or something. The police inspector in charge of the murder investigation. Uh, what's his name now? I hate Russian novels. Why are there so many names? Porfiry Petrovich. I've never heard the name Porfiry. Anyway, Porfiry Petrovich. They go and visit him because Raskolnikov says, actually, you know, I was a pawner at the lady who got murdered and I left. I, she steals my watch and my ring or whatever it was. Um, so they basically want us, he wants to make a statement that he wants to collect those things. And then we have what I first thought was going to be the most interesting part of part three, namely them talking to Porfiry Petrovich. And then of course you have the question there, is he going to find out that Raskolnikov murdered the lady? And it's kind of interesting because Porfiry Petrovich seems to be a bit of a prankster in general, and you're never quite sure exactly what he's doing. Um, by his questioning. Anyway, we also learn that Raskolnikov wrote a essay that appeared, that was published uh, about a year and a half ago, in which he basically argued that under certain circumstances, certain people should be allowed to overcome any obstacles, including murder. And yeah, 
again, I wanted to keep the summary short. So let's just say then Raskolnikov supposed to go meet with his sister, his mother, and Luzin to discuss the matter, but then he goes home instead. And on his way out again, some random guy appears, some tradesman, who Raskolnik who basically asks, Is that is that Raskolnikov? The housekeeper says yes, that's him. Then the guy just leaves again. Askolnikov follows him, asks, Hey, why are you like why do you care who I am? And then the guy just says, You're the murderer. Um You're the killer. Or the killer, sorry, yeah, exactly. You're the killer. And then Askolnikov again has one of those complete psychic breakdowns pretty much, uh, when he goes home and sleeps again for way too long. And then we end with the great cliffhanger when suddenly some man appears in his uh room sits down and introduces himself and that's how part three ends maybe we should add that this man man seems to be from a wealthy background at least he? he's described as groomed no wait let me see wait, uh, sorry which um do you mean the last man right yeah well, we're making this up now i think so no, I'm not. <laughs> Where is it? Wait, I'll just read the part because I think it's a great cliffhanger to end part. Oh, no, I'll read it at the end. Um, anyway, I can't see. Um. He was no longer young, young, solidly built with a thick, light beard that was all but white. That's Arkady Ivanovich Svitrigailov. Anyway, maybe he was groomed. I just don't think it's mentioned. <laughs> Why do I think that he's wealthy? I mean, okay. because he's well, solidly cut built. This <laughs> <laughs> cut this part out. It obviously, made it no, I'm going to loop this ten times. Yeah, um, yeah anyway. Um, this was just supposed to be a brief summary to roughly remind everyone what's going on. Also, I had the thing when I... I keep forgetting like how much is mentioned in each part. I always like when I I often read like two chapters at a time or something, and then it always seems like it's so long ago. But then you realize, no, no, this is all still in part three. Like I'd forgotten that the whole meeting with his mum and his sister that they hadn't actually met until part three. Um, kind of forgotten that yeah, just how much happens in each part. Anyway, mm. Mm. Um, so I think this was the most interesting part so far. Really. Yeah. I found the beginning a bit boring. Like the whole, there was, there was yeah. a lot of talking in like the first 50 pages or something. Yeah, maybe that's true. But um, the whole conversation of um, uh, between Azumikin's relative, who's the superintendent or whatever. Coffee, like, or whatever his huh? name is. Yeah. yeah. The main detective, or police officer, whatever you want to call him, yeah. who is um, responsible for solving the murder case because this is basically the whole is the theme of the book it brings us back to the question we had very at the very beginning is it justified to commit a crime crime for some other greater good um and um Moskornikov basically divides people well, like, well his main argument is that in in certain circumstances so-called extraordinary people who have some idea or some vision or 
want to achieve something which is for the greater good they are permitted to to achieve that good to commit a crime including murder and basically for them for such people it's not the law which is the principle of everything in which they just blindly follow but it's their own conscious or their own moral ethical understanding which they have to abide by and if it is to achieve something greater then they can also commit commit a murder which is the main argument and I think we we talked about this when we discussed the first part um, when we talked about the conversation that Razumikin had and uh, Raskolnikov had overheard in the bar about whether it would be justified to kill the the woman um, in order to relieve people from their debt. Yeah, so I found I found this conversation very interesting, and obviously the policeman and detective I don't know what his title is he kind of like misunderstands them uh, misunderstands. Raskolnikov, or at least what he's written in the article, because he thinks, or I don't know whether he thinks it or whether he consciously or like whether he wants to misunderstand him, but basically he. Oh, sorry, just completely interrupt you here. <laughs> you said for earlier that the guy was wealthy, right? I, I wanted yeah. to see, I was just wanted to look up what the job title is. It's chief investigator of Porfiry Petrovich, chief investigator. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Allow me to introduce myself. Arkady Ivanovich Svidrigailov is the guy who's sitting in the chair. And that's a nobleman, a country gentleman with a disputable past. So that's actually, he yeah, is the that's... nobleman who they talk about <laughs> earlier. Yeah, sorry, you're actually correct on yeah, that. Yeah, and I think I accidentally also, realized that, yeah. Yeah, for some reason I, I needed, maybe because of, I don't know, I needed to use a nobleman. And also I think one hint is when he in when it says he placed his hat on its side on the floor and leaned with both hands on his cane a, a person a man with a hat and a cane is usually somebody who's not completely poor it's usually more so than where does like it say a, that page 30 uh, 330 thor, uh, 333 <laughs> okay. at the very bottom yeah, I mean, you have to be pretty dandy to have a cane. Mm. Um, yeah, but no, I think if I remember correctly, then that is the guy. Isn't that the guy who beat his wife and then she had a stroke afterwards? Isn't that the same guy? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, I just, I, I just, yeah, just when I wanted to look up that the guy, Petrovich, Chief whatever his first yeah. name is. Chief investigator um, is his title, yeah. Yeah. So just to summarize what I've said, I think this is the... For, for me at least one of the most interesting parts when they argue about whether one would ever be permitted to to commit a crime and under what circumstances and who also one thing they they say is that obviously the person itself might think they are permitted to commit a crime for some greater idea but they might not actually be so and I think this is like a difficult question because there are some scenarios in which you in which it seems very obvious that it would be justified to to commit a crime, such as maybe killing a dictator to serve uh, to. Are you trying to kill baby Hitler again? <laughs> I think it's just like a, a black and white example. But if you had the opportunity to save 
millions of people's lives by killing a dictator, maybe that would be, I mean, obviously we can argue about this, but maybe that's a, a case in which most people would say that's a justified action. You, It would be a justified killing. However, in other circumstances, it's a bit more shady. And, you know, like, for example, would in the case of the trolley t- dilemma, if the person is innocent, you're killing, is it justified to to kill one innocent person to save five people's lives? This is where it gets a bit more complicated. So, um, so they talk about how, how the person who wants to commit a crime can know that it is, that they are actually justified to do it. Um, and I found, I found this conversation quite interesting. And also, it seems to me that it's very clear that the chief investigator knows, or at least he has some very strong suspicion. That Raskolnikov is the murderer. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, just when I said earlier that I found part three the the least interesting, I actually think like the last two chapters are really picks up again. I think it's just mm-hmm. like the first half that I found a bit boring. Yeah, so I agree that this is that that, that discussion is interesting, although I don't really find it interesting for the arguments they make, but I find it interesting for the stuff that goes around it. So, so for me, the main question, like you know, was always like how much does Porfiry Petrovich, no. Why exactly? Like he, you know, he, he expected Raskolnikov to come just because he was the last pawn who didn't, who hadn't turned up yet to mention the thing. But what I find interesting is that this, this, I call him chief investigator now because I hate saying his name. Uh, it's just oh, a weird name. Uh, so the chief investigator is introduced, I think, by Razumikin also as being a bit of a prankster where once he, what was it? He had this expensive suit and then pretended to be married or to get married. So all his friends were like setting up all this stuff and arranging stuff. And then it's like, by the way, I'm just making fun of all you. It's just a prank. Um, so he's introduced that way. And then, so from that on, I immediately think like, okay, so what exactly is he trying to do when he, for example, well, when he does any interaction with Raskolnikov? And so I, for example, I think just, I mean, you said earlier that he misunderstands or the point that Raskolnikov was trying to make. I would argue that that's almost irrelevant. I think, or not, I think it's just not true. Or I think the main point is, and this is so one thing that I found interesting is that this is the, this chapter is the first time that we actually hear Raskolnikov talk coherently in the entire book. So far, we've had him, you know, he's always been mumbling, stumbling, vaguely fainting, shouting, whatever. This is the first time where you get like two pages or something of him just speaking in pure text, mm-hmm. fluently, eloquently. I'm not even talking now about where, how good the points are he's making, but he's talking like a normal person for the first time. Not even normal, but very um, like thought through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, you know, in a way he's summarizing something he seems to have thought about quite a bit in the past and so what what i found interesting then i was wondering just maybe either uh, the chief investigator misunderstood the point or he intentionally kind of slightly misunderstood something or pretended to to get raskolnikov to speak because you know everyone keeps saying that oh raskolnikov's so ill 
he's not in the best of states or something. But suddenly, as, you, as soon as you get him talking about something he likes, he seems to be completely normal. Um, it's just every time... Yeah, although interestingly, this is the first time when the murder of the lady is discussed and he doesn't have, he doesn't freak out immediately. But yeah, but I'm not sure whether Petrovich even cares about any points that Raskolnikov's making. Um, maybe I've been watching too much like, uh, police drama on TV or something, but I think he's just trying to get him to talk, get him to say stuff. Well, he want him to, wants him to, com- to admit that that he thinks of himself as an extraordinary person who would also have the permission to commit a crime. So I think, first of all, he wants Asgornikov to admit that that he thinks that some people are allowed to commit a crime. And then secondly, I think he's trying to get him to a point where he says that he thinks of himself as such a person. Yeah, I mean, he says, so, doesn't he say at some point where he says, like, wow, you've written these things, you're clearly saying something here that's new, uh, or you're making a statement, doesn't that mean you are a bit of a extraordinary person? Hmm. And I think then Askolnikov says, I'm not Napoleon or Muhammad. It's really weird to me that they talk so much about Islam. <laughs> I didn't hmm. expect that. I thought they'd yeah. talk about Jesus or something, but they talk about Muhammad the entire time. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a bit random, I thought, but... Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, Oskolnikov does then say at some point, I don't see myself as one of these great people. But whether whether he, what's not entirely clear to me is whether he really doesn't, because I think for me this part was like also a bit eye-opening that he, because as you've said, we've mainly known him as somebody who is in a complete state of... Um, yeah, despair, confusion, and he shouts and screams and faints, etc. Not coherent at all. And then when he talks about this chapter, he's very coherent, very, everything he said is very thought through. And it all, I came to wonder how much of this murder was actually planned based on some like, um, theoretical ideas of, of crime and 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 guilt and also then at some i think later after this conversation he so he he says that he um having killed her intended to take from her the precise amount it needed for the first step no more no less so the rest really would have gone to the monastery in accordance with her will haha because because i'm allowed pure and simple he added gnashing his teeth because I myself may still may be still fouler and more horrid than the louse I killed and because I sensed in advance that this is what I would tell myself after the murder can any horror compare to it so vulgar so so vile or or how I understand the prophet with his sword on horseback Allah commands to obey so Uh, what page is that? It's a thirty, uh, three hundred thirty, but he says because I sensed in advance that this is what I would tell myself after the murder, and this is right. This is like a, an inner monologue right after his visit to the chief investigator, or after actually there's this a man, this salesman who's been looking for him, and then he. 
yeah. he follows him and, and, and that man tells him... The guy who might be a crucial witness. Yeah. So, considering everything he's just said about crime and, and guilt and responsibility and um, etc., it seems to me like he must have thought about this. Like, there seems to be some sort of link yeah. between his action and his understand or his um yeah his understanding of what is justified and i haven't like i don't don't think we know exactly but it's it's almost like this part of him although we know that he started studying law but this part of him up until the moment where they talk about the article that had been published we don't really know about his like this intellectual side of it, like I don't know whether you call it intellectual, but um, the side in him that did things about these things on such a level. Yeah, I mean, I said last time that this book can't be a, a book about morality almost because Oskarnikov is not intelligent enough to really make a point. Like he's just emotionally and psychologically so all over the place that it has nothing to do with any thought out um, argument. But now. You know, in part three, we get the exact opposite because we see that, yeah, he used to actually, or maybe he still is in some perspective, but he definitely used to be a very thoughtful guy. Also to get something like published in one of those things, mm. he doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem to have connections or anything as far as I can tell. So he, yeah. he must have been published based on the argument he made and people must have thought it was at least interesting. So yeah, I think it's interesting because we have these two sides now that we now actually have him as someone who seems to have really thought about this problem. Again, he seems to have thought about it main... Yeah, I mean, he seems to have thought about the problem. But then, pretty much for the first 270 pages or something of the book, we only got him as an emotional wreck. So I wonder to what extent he... You know, it's like one of those things where you have like... Like, basically, like he had a year ago or something... That's when he published it, right, or something. So, like, maybe even it must have started much more before that he really thought about this problem or this question um, of whether it can be justified to murder someone or what exactly the question is. But then you have still this, like, gap, right, of a year until he actually does something about it. And it doesn't seem to me as if the actual carrying through of his crime has anything really to do still with the arguments he makes um, you know, he says like he doesn't see himself as one of the great. Oh, rather, sorry. He says at some point like the. He's asked like, so can anyone who's great just do whatever they want or something like that, right? And he says like, well, no, not really. It has to be proportionate to the like the greatness of the person or of the thing they have and want to share. Um, has to be proportionate to the crime committed. So. Like if someone just vaguely annoys a great person, you can't just kill them. Like that's, you know, it's completely out of proportion. Mm. So, but he, what he does is he decides to murder someone for a bit of money, right? So it doesn't really fit at all into, unless he thinks like that this financial problem is the only reason holding him back from being a total genius. Unless that's the case, then his arguments he made in the piece don't really fit what he did, right? Um, mm. like if, if let's put it this way, if he'd said, you know, as I said earlier, uh, I think in our discussion part one, like he could have just stolen money, like that would have solved his financial problems as much as killing someone that he maybe could have said like, well, I'm a special person because I'm a student. I steal some money. 
so I can then live and like share my intellect with the world or whatever. That's one argument, right? But he goes and kills yeah. someone. Yeah. You know, that's completely out of proportion. So I, in a way, I see like how he, he's been dealing with these questions of morality, but then I think then in practice, he just acted out of despair without mm. any consideration for any kind of rational thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you rise. One thing is also alluding to this is that he, he didn't only kill one person, but two. But I think that's different though, right? Because the second one was almost like was not he didn't planned. plan to, he didn't want to. Um, and I think that was more like, so he could get away with it. And like that, that, sorry, that was also like in the act. Like he was not, that's not something, something he planned for. Sure. But if it would have been a very planned through action, maybe we would have had more scruple and he would have been less likely to then randomly, like not randomly, but spontaneously kill a second. Maybe if he would have had some like good reason for why he is allowed to kill somebody. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like again, he yeah, he clearly didn't plan it well. That's you know, going to the point that I made earlier that he his action does not necessarily come from his theories. Um, but I think you can't. I, so I don't think you can. I think the second murder was just he just panicked in the moment and wasn't mm. even thinking. But there is one interesting thing here that I wrote down, which is, let me see where it is. Paul Lisaveta, again on page 330. Paul Lisaveta, why did she have to turn up? Strange though. Why do I almost never think of her as if I'd never murdered her? And that's really telling to me because that's when I realized yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't had a sing, single thought of remorse, about, at least not consciously about the entire action, right? I mean, one question I wrote down, which is almost a rhetorical question now is like his entire emotional turmoil. Is that because he's feeling he has a conscience and he's feel like he did something wrong or he regrets hurting people, whatever, or is he just afraid of getting caught? And because, and the, like when I read that sentence, I really were, I thought like, yeah, he's just afraid of getting caught. He has no sense of feeling guilty for having killed anyone because this is pretty much the first, you know, we've, spent now a hundred and almost 200 pages after the murder. And this is the first time he even thinks about the second person he killed, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And whenever he thinks about the other woman is like, yeah, he's also, um, he, he sometimes admits that his action was vile and, and bad but he doesn't really say it is bad because these are people that should have lived and oh, is that, um, I don't know because he's like he's, he mentions a couple of times he doesn't men mention Lisaveta and um, doesn't feel sorry for her but he still acknowledges sometimes that it was a bad action yeah, it doesn't really seem to care that much though, right? You think like if he, if he really, like we have his internal dialogue or uh, dialogue, it is internal monologue, um, uh, throughout the book, right? And like if he really cared, he would have had more obvious thoughts along the lines of, 
oh no, she didn't deserve it, whatever. Right? Like, I think he, yeah, I don't think he really cares too much about it. Don't know. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem to like put himself into the the victim's shoes and doesn't seem to. It's it's certainly not. He's not trying to. Yeah, at least he doesn't talk about it. He feels sorry for having ended their life, but he still acknowledges that it's been a very horrible actions i don't know um i don't know if he's just afraid of getting caught because i feel like there is um there's something else but maybe all we'll, that's something also we'll find out a bit later on like whether he actually i mean it doesn't he talk about uh doesn't he talk about that in the discussion where he says something like the the conscience is the punishment or something like that there was some sort of statement like that that i didn't write down um, but where he talks about something like the feeling bad about doing the action is the punishment for those people or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Because in, in the second part, he, he describes his action as, um, as despicable, vile and low. So one, one unrelated point in in his conversation with the chief investigator when the chief investigator because the main reason for going there is that he wants his two two items back so the the earrings his sister's earrings i think and his dad's watch which he had given to the uh, pawn broker and so the, the reason why he's going there is so that he wants to ensure that this is not given away. So he goes there and tells, well, this is my stuff. And then chief investigator says, yeah, we know because it was, we found it wrapped up in some paper um, with your name on it. Um, and the best thing is you just go to the police and report it, just hand in like a written report. And then Skolnikov asks, if you can just use normal paper. I don't know exactly the wording. And yeah, I think then, it says normal paper, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the chief investigator says, yeah, just like, you know, normal paper. And it seems like this is like a dot, dot, dot. So I wonder whether, because when he goes and kills, when when he goes and kills the pawnbroker, he... Trap. Uh, so he he uses some was it some like wood or whatever, some lead or something heavy, and wraps it up in in paper and wraps it really tightly so that it's hard to open. And he gives it to her, and when she turns around and tries to open it, this is when he kills her. So I wonder whether that's the same paper. They might have recognized that he's been using the same sort oh, of paper. You think so? Okay, I didn't think of that. Maybe, maybe not, but it just seemed like this is such a weird little sentence of like it. I was a bit confused about it. I can't remember. Was there a footnote for that with a normal paper? Because if so, I didn't look it up. Uh, wait, I'll just see if I can find anything. But 
um th that was one of those moments where also like what like first like what kind of paper but i thought like maybe he went like legal paper because he used to be a legal student or something oh no ordinary paper here ordinary paper all, all official doc um so it says in the notes all official documents had had to be written on special stamped paper issued by the Ministry of Finances. Such paper came in three varieties, ordinary being the cheapest. This category was itself divided into four further types, the most ordinary costing only 20 kopecks a sheet. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think that's maybe. more a statement about that. But yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting yeah, because maybe. when you mentioned the thing, I completely forgot that he gave her that thing because he didn't take it with him, right? No. Um, so I wonder whether maybe they have that also as evidence or something. But then he didn't. It wasn't anything unusual, right? It was just a bit of paper. With, I mean, assume he didn't put his name on it. That would have. Been, I, I would be disappointed in Dostoevsky if uh, if Raskolnikov's name was on the piece of paper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't think about that. He just left that there. But yeah, I don't know. Um, actually, uh, sorry, do you have? More to say about that? Or? Mm. Okay. So I have uh, one thing we talked about last time I think we can answer now, which our question was, what exactly are the friend's intentions, Razumikin's, uh, what are his intentions, and does he know something that he's not letting on, uh, or that he's not, he's, he's hiding some secret knowledge about Raz, uh, Raskolnikov and the crime? I think we can say that's not the case, right? I mean, he seems pretty clueless about everything. I mean, he mentions at some point, like, oh, yeah, you even mentioned, like, rings and stuff in your feverish ramblings and that kind of stuff. And I I don't think he has any... I think he's just a friend, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe this gets... is yeah, a big plot by, by yeah. the chief in investigator, but I think he's just naive. No, yeah, I think so too, especially when he's talking when it's going off his talking to the chief investigator and Razumikin is like very like he doesn't seem to kind of like follow what's going on really he seems to be like very annoyed at, at his relatives to be asking such questions and I don't think anymore that he necessarily knows a great deal yeah and I feel like also the I mean it could obviously still be an act right the cousin and the chief investigator together and Razumikin just like plays along and it wouldn't be it would be a pretty good plot but um and then i feel like also just the moment when razumikin was drunk and met raskolnikov's sister uh, and then hit on her and then felt bad about it later on i don't know it didn't it seemed like a guy who was just trying to be nice <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then but was a bit dumb sometimes so i don't yeah i don't think yeah he, i still don't entirely understand why he's so committed to his friendship or why yeah i mean now it makes sense because he fancies the sister but before that why has he gone through all of that like he could have just been like he hadn't seen the sister before anything right so it's mm. not like mm. and i think also like i mean sure maybe he fancies the sister but he also i think i don't know whether this was after or before he saw her but doesn't he also like defend lucin to Raskolnikov and says like no what's wrong with him like he's, he's mm. he seems like a decent guy so yeah yeah. I, don't know. yeah I think I think we yeah it is still slightly confusing he just doesn't seem a bit weird but I mean he probably knows stuff but without realizing that it's important like when he said like oh yeah you mentioned all this thing about rings or whatever 
but yeah, I don't think he knows much. Uh, I had another question, which was, uh, so, I mean, obviously in this podcast, we can't discuss the question of whether it's right to, for some people to do harm over others. I think that's a very big question. Uh, and without being careful, it very quickly leads to, uh, something that approximates what the Nazis thought and some sort of genetical superiority of some people. And there was some vague hints mm. of some of this there. But one th question I have is that we kind of, like as society, we kind of accept that position though, right? Like you have, like if someone has achieved something great, you're much more likely to forgive them for something. And if not, and there's many cases of musicians, actors, whatever who did horrible things in their lifetimes and we just kind of brush over it almost and say like well but you know they're such like we we as society gain more from their work than we lose from their personal actions almost or something maybe it's changing slightly but i still feel like as a whole but are you talking about like finding out in hindsight so let's say for example, finding out after somebody's death that they had. Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff, right? Like, let's use. So, I mean, the best example is probably someone like Roman Polanski, who in the 70s raped a 13 year old or something like that. And who. So, this is not an allegation. He confessed to the police and he was about to be trialed for it and then he fled from the US and has been in exile pretty much ever since, ever since. But he's also a great filmmaker and made after that made films like The Pianist um, and other works that are generally um, seen as very you know he's still working with lots of great other people together who are really good at what they do. Uh, we kind of I mean this is like the clearest case because he you know like he confessed to doing it never not only like i mean it's not only raping but i think also drugging her before like he really like went as far as you can go pretty much in terms of doing something awful and but as a whole people go like yeah whatever he makes good films i mean and that's a guy who still around mm -hmm. right and where everything was known at the time another similar cases are i mean I don't know how verified this is, but there's lots of stories of lots of like rock stars from the 70s and 80s and 60s having very young girlfriends, um, aka raping children, uh, at a time when that also would have been considered that. And people kind of just don't look much further into it. Then you have, you know, then there's people like Wagner, right? Who was a very blatant anti Semite. And people go like, yeah, but the music's so great. But I'm. Um See what he's saying, but isn't the, the argument Raskolnikov make, um, is making that he talks about an illegal action or a crime that serves a purpose in a sense that, for example... Oh, you mean to achieve the greatness almost? Or? Yeah, at least this is what I understood. And it's different to being a great... I see artist and and raping children which is obviously horrible um but it seems to me different because it's almost as an outsider and i think this is a bit of what we're doing with like polanski and, and other people we kind of like separate the two this i see yeah that's a good point so like basically if the, if the rape had been part of 
getting the art out there or something yeah, like that. Then it would have been a, that's more what he means, right? Rather yeah, than if someone. that would have, yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is like... Um, right, so in the same, like Raskolnikov murdering the person is for him to get out of financial debt. He's not just randomly murdering people. Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this changes the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very useful. Every time I think I have a good point, you correct me on it. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily correct you, but uh, this is a good thing about uh, talking about it because you... Yeah, yeah. No, that was very useful, just yeah. different, different views. Um, no, but you're right. Like, I, I missed that point that the point that Oskarnikov makes is not that great people should be allowed to do horrible things. The great point, his point is that doing something terrible should not necessarily be in the way of something great coming out of it. Um, and I think there are like lots of historical examples. Like if you think of like pretty much any revolutionary, um, yeah. I don't know, like look through history, Nelson Mandela or like whoever that usually like find a chapter or two where things didn't, like, well, yeah, there is some, like, damage on the side, right? And that might be life destroyed, people, life, lives destroyed, or people killed, or being lighted, or, or something being stolen, but, but which was part of the revolution. Yeah, I mean, every, that's every war is, though, right? Like, you kill people, so... Yeah. Um, to to, to yeah. get rid of the ideology behind it, right? Like, yeah. I think, like, with um, there are a lot of examples where most people would agree with the other that was just necessary or that needed um, needed to be done. Although the act itself, out of context, nobody would agree with. Um, that might be like killing somebody. Yeah. But but it's obviously not not black and white. But there are some examples where most people agree would agree that it's justified but these are some a couple of extreme examples but i think day-to-day life it's it's just a bit more graded and and not very and not everybody agrees whether um what is justified and i think this is something you 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 mentioned earlier is this aspect of an action being proportionate to the aim and certainly killing somebody just to, I don't know, for like a, a smaller smaller aim isn't really, wouldn't really be justified, but killing somebody to save several people's lives, maybe in some instances. Yeah, I find the, I would, it would be kind of cool if this, if Dostoevsky had also published Raskolnikov's essay. I would be interested to read the entire thing. Because uh, I do wonder exactly like what his point is. Like for example, like like in the abstract, it sounds maybe kind of sensible. But then like okay, so let's say you have Newton, right? Who whose theory um, was the predominant one for like three hundred years, right? Until Einstein, and um, but like what exactly would be the opposite? Like murder someone who prohibits him from printing it? Like what exactly? You know, like I'm slightly struggling to think of what exactly his example really is like i mean like with revolutionaries okay one thing but like for example his example of newton or kepler seems slightly weird to me yeah and I, I, I don't know but do you uh so do you think uh, so this is a question i mentioned briefly earlier but didn't really properly ask 
do you think the chief investigator is asking uh do you think he's he's being curious or do you think he's just toying with Raskolnikov or wants to find something out I don't think he's curious I think he has a very good understanding of what's happened this is my perception but who knows but the way I read it is that he just he wants a confession or a accidental confession of some sort I mean in a way is it, it's the kind of thing right where you he he wants him almost to admit to all the harmless steps before right let's say like yeah. okay cool so you you think like sometimes it can be justified to kill what's mm. next mm. It's like yeah maybe sometimes like okay so you also think you know and then you get closer and closer and more specific. yeah and also this kind of like trick question when he was like so when you did go to her um a couple of days before her death and you walked up the stairs did you see the painters uh, yeah, yeah exactly and the painters went there a couple of days before so it seems like he's certainly trying to trick him and then Razumikin also says like hey what are you doing like how is he supposed to see them <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, actually one question here so I can't remember this exactly but he but Raskolnikov then says like he has the thing where he goes like aha I got I get what he's doing right like and then he says something like no I had to push past the soldiers who were moving out the furniture and that kind of stuff i can't mm. remember was that actually the case or did he make something i up? was i was wondering as well i, d- I don't it seems know. vaguely correct but it also seemed a bit much than it seemed like more than i could remember yeah i couldn't remember this but it might have been just like we would have to go back um might have been like a damn it i thought you remembered <laughs> no, no i didn't because I, re- I was really wondering like ah, oh, is he maybe trying to you know, it's like, okay, so he doesn't fall into the trap saying, oh, yeah, the, the people were there, whatever. He also, I mean, then let's say it didn't happen with the soldiers and he's making up too much, you know, you like the more detailed, the more details you make up, the more specific it's and convincing it mm. sounds, right? If he said like, oh, yeah, I, I went up the stairs, then it's like, okay, uh, that doesn't really sound. But if you go like, oh, yeah, I went up the stairs and whatever the the sun came in through that window then it suddenly seems not so plausible that that's actually what happened mm-hmm. and then i was wondering whether he was trying to do that and made up too much detail um that wasn't actually true and that they might actually get him afterwards and say like by the way those soldiers weren't there or something like that but i just i can't remember whether the soldiers were there or not yeah but how does this can't really be well, maybe they the knew like the time is. when he was there, right? So the 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 lady had appointments and that kind of stuff. So maybe through other stuff they could reconstruct like when Raskolnikov, or he even said like when he was there, right? Roughly the time, I think. Um, yeah. So maybe they were like something like, oh no, the, there were soldiers moving in, but that was like in the morning or something like, you're, you're talking shit. You know, the whole thing where going like, okay, you lied there. So what else are you lying about? And then mm-hmm. getting him that way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So, um, what are they going to discuss in the next part? Is, was this your question or did you have another one? Uh, first, I wanted... Uh, Kai. It's, I mean, it's going there. So, the first question... Uh, another question I had was, who's the... What was the tale? Who, the, the guy who says you're the killer. So, I'm actually not sure whether this, whether this person exists or whether it was some, his own... Oh, really? Um, okay. Con- like, I don't know... It seemed like uh, some 
uh, a hallucination and but but I don't know it's probably is a true person but my first thought was like is this just you know like um, a hallucination yeah I mean I took so I didn't think about that I took it more like the second guy is that I was slightly confused I thought that was still a dream I missed that one sentence where it said he woke up um, um, but so I had to read the last like page again but no so I took that guy to be a real person but then there was one thing that I found kind of weird which is so right so okay the story at least we're told is that some guy seems to have been a witness to something or at least thinks that he's the murderer and i think he just didn't know the name right um he just wanted to conf to confirm like okay that name belongs to the face that i saw there that's kind of what i mm. took from that but then if i actually saw someone beating two old ladies with an axe so if I remember correctly, then, you know, the guy just calmly walks away and then Laskolnikov walks behind him and says, like, you know, what what are you doing? And then the guy says, oh, yeah, the, you're the killer. Like, completely nonchalantly. Like, if I knew someone had murdered two people just two days ago, or not two, but, like, five days ago, whatever, I'd be slightly more hesitant that he might commit further violence, in this case, on me to hide another witness. But I can't remember whether they did this in the middle of the road or... Where there were lots of people around. I think it was like an open public, but also this is what one reason that like this whole scene seemed a bit like surreal, and this is why I thought it might actually be just a hallucination, um, because it was this kind of like weird situation when this person kind of like comes, wants to find him, and then as soon as he sees him, he turns around and walks away and then just pretend Raskolnikov isn't following him. So well, you should also go to the police, right? If he thinks he knows who the murderer is. Yeah, you, but maybe he wants yeah, I don't know. something from him. Maybe he's going to blackmail him, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, so if he actually thought Raskolnikov was the murderer, wouldn't you go to the police and then have a policeman come with you? Or have Raskolnikov ordered to the police station, I guess is that way around, probably. I mean, I don't know how the law and police work back then, right? It's 150 years ago, but they're not going to have like smooth lineups with lots of people who look similar and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, mm. But, yeah. But so you think uh, the person's not real? What's your prediction? I think it probably is real, but I don't know. At, at first, I thought he wasn't real and that it was just like a feverish schizophrenic episode who knows but um seen in the, like the context of the whole book i think he probably is real but um not sure yet what yeah what what his role is okay so who could it have been i mean so okay so skonikov uh, was there and then they so when he murdered the, so it could have been someone who came up and saw him actually beat, and then he just ran away, afraid or whatever, or to get people, mm. I don't know. Someone who we haven't heard of yet. It, there were, of course, these two people who were outside the door. Mm -hmm. It could have also been somebody at the market. When he first yeah. hears that um, Lisaveta is going somewhere. Nah, that's too vague, right? A pardon? I mean, he just walked by, right? He was just... Yeah, but just given that he's like a tradesman or like sales tradesman uh, I, I mean yeah Thank so you. what i think more might be the case is that he was on the market maybe i don't know whether the market was every day but that he was like 
basically he's someone who saw Raskolnikov come out. Someone who was standing outside saw like the few people run in and then one guy come out again. Mm. My, my assumption is kind of that he didn't actually, you know, he didn't see Raskolnikov commit a crime. He didn't anything like that, but he just saw something like that would be my guess. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So I think I can make one prediction that's fairly safe and that I already made last time, which is that Zonia or Zoneshka is going to make more of an appearance. She already did in this chapter when she invited, oh yeah, I forgot to say that Raskolnikov's going to go to a funeral. Uh, so that's nice. So that's going to be some sort of larger part, at least a chapter, I imagine. I mean, God, I have no idea though who this last guy is who appeared, like why that guy's there. Seems a bit random to me. I think that he probably had some... So this is my wild prediction. That okay. by killing this old lady, he actually did something good to other people. Maybe including this guy who might have had some debt or whatever. You think so? But he was, but he was from the from the place where his mom and sister were from, right? So it's a it's quite a while, like a while away, right? From this, he's not from Saint Petersburg, so why would he have debt with some random pawn? I mean, maybe, but it's a pawnbroker in Saint Petersburg it seems a bit random. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's your prediction, but <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like I'm just trying to figure out, like, okay, how does that guy so? He's related somehow to... I mean, maybe he tells him something about Lucien. Um, something like, oh yeah, by the way, the Lucien, he has a huge... Uh, it's 1850. Opium problem. Uh, or he's a heavy drinker. No, then he'd yeah. look differently. But yeah, maybe yeah, something like that. Where he says like, by the way, Lucien used to be married. Beat the shit out of his wife. She died. Something like that. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to, yeah, I think it's, you know, related to the mom and sister plot, but yeah. Anyway, no, so I part think it, it will tie together. <laughs> yeah. So part four is going to have probably the funeral. It's going to have or well, something about Lucin and the mother and sister. Mm-hmm. I imagine Raskolnikov's going to arrive too late because he's already too late, right? He already slept way too long. So he's probably going to hear it afterwards. That guy's going to say whatever he's going to say in the first chapter. Well, there's going to be something about the the man who accused him of being the killer, right? Yeah, and some police interaction. Yeah. So, I okay, do you think he's going to get arrested? No. Okay, I agree, because it's, it's only 90 pages. It's too short for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think he's going to get arrested. I Yeah, I imagine it's more like... There's going to be some of the non-killing plot-related stuff, the sister and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just it's going to tighten around him. He's going to have less wiggle room. Yeah. Maybe maybe Razumikin's going to say, like, oh, yeah, they have a witness now. Mm. Something like that, yeah. We will see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's part three. Next week we're going to discuss part four. Yeah. Uh, I hope whoever's still listening is going to continue listening. <laughs> <laughs> if not, Me then, too. you know, don't. Or at least you should continue reading. Yeah, exactly, continue reading. Uh, <laughs> unless we ruined the book for you, then I'm very sorry. <laughs>
I feel like I don't need to introduce what we're doing again. If people are starting in part four, then they clearly don't care about structure. And <laughs> if they've already listened to part one, two, and three, then they don't need a reminder. So, oh, shall we summarize again? Mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing. So, this time I actually wrote it down a bit to be a bit more organized. Here's a summary of part four uh, in one sentence per chapter. Chapter one. Uh, I hate that guy's name because I don't know how to say it. Svitri Gailov. Svitri Gailov uh, offers Askolnikov's sister 10,000 rubles to not marry Lucien. Okay, it's kind of two sentences. I used a semicolon here, but it's basically two sentences. Askolnikov's sister will inherit 3,000 rubles from Marfa Petrovna for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Chapter two, there's a big row between Lucien and Raskolnikov's. He's basically kicked out, and the engagement to Raskolnikov's sister seems uh, blown off. In chapter three, obviously Raskolnikov, uh, sorry, Razumikin is very excited. He was obviously there the entire time. He's very excited about Raskolnikov's sister not getting married to Lucien. So he does what you always do, which means he proposes that they start a publishing company. And it's not explicit, but it seems like Razumikin at the end might realize that Raskolnikov might be the killer. Then, but again, nothing, no hard evidence or anything here. It's just they basically stare longingly into each other's eyes for a minute. Uh, chapter four, Raskolnikov visits Sonia, is a total dick to her, tells her he wants to be with her and says he knows who the killer of Lizaveta is. And we realize that Lizaveta is a friend of Sonia, or was, I guess. Chapter 5, Raskolnikov visits, uh, I didn't write that, I always write PP because I can't remember to spell his name out, but Porfiry Petrovich, uh, Raskolnikov visits Porfiry Petrovich and, uh, in the police office and basically, again, Petrovich is aloof the entire time and Raskolnikov accuses him of suspecting Raskolnikov of being the killer and he almost confesses to being the killer, but doesn't. Then in chapter 6, we get another big plot twist toward the end. Uh, Mikolai confesses to being the killer of the two women. Uh, then Raskolnikov goes home, has a kind of hallucination or something like that, and realizes that the tradesman who accused Raskolnikov of being the killer was actually present when Raskolnikov visited the murder scene a day after the murder, and that there's probably no actual evidence against Raskolnikov. That was a good concise summary right? you know it was a very good summary i wonder what a, i think this tradesman is interesting because in the chapter in the part before so part three i definitely felt like he would have been in hallucination but now it felt like maybe less so although at some point um raskolnikov even himself says that he might have fantasized yeah the whole the whole question of what's real what's a dream yeah. Came back quite a bit. This there was quite in almost every chapter there was a discussion of ghosts. Yeah. But but it seemed to me that in this case oh sorry, I forgot to say mention one important thing uh, that I didn't write down, which is when Raskolnikov visits Zonia, is a total dick to her, etc., uh, and says that, you know, he knows who the killer is, that Svitrigailov, for some reason, was in a room next door that no one knows exists and was listening the entire time. Yeah. So that's a crucial piece of information. Yeah. I think. I don't know. 
Um, I think the reason, I think this part was quite interesting, was different to the one before. It was, had a lot of, um, there was quite a lot going on plot-wise. Um, so I think there was like a couple of twists and things that happened and, and a lot of people also. And um, yeah, so it, it was plot-heavy in a sense. However, there was less, I think the part before was very much about like, you know, like the ethical considerations of whether it's ever okay to commit a crime, etc. Blah blah blah. But this one was more focused on the plot. It it felt to me rather than any deep ethical questions. Right. Yeah. Which is well, in a way. But I actually, f I have to admit, I I found this one the least interesting part. Um, I think because basically the whole plot with the sister marrying Lucien to me is it's kind of boring and um that was like you know the first half of this thing was again just that thing so in a way i like in a way a lot happened but i also i don't know there's a lot of talking in this one again yeah <laughs> also think at the end when he's talking to the chief investigator in the police office it's just like it's a monologue followed by dialogue followed by monologue. It's I mean, it's like, basically a play, this part. Yeah. Could, this could be a play, I think, almost without. Yeah. I mean, a few things. Okay, so like when Onikov and Razumikin look at each other and Razumikin might realize that he's a killer. So, you know, maybe you could mm -hmm. do that on stage quite as well. But pretty much everything here is just dialogue or monologue. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, where shall we start? Uh, as I said uh, before we started recording, I don't actually have a lot of points this time. Um, Which I think admit, is I because was... it's sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I, but yeah. I think the reason why you don't have a lot of points is because it's it was a bit on a more superficial level in a sense. It was a lot happening. There was a lot happening plot wise, but not not anything yeah. you you or one needs or can discuss in detail. I feel it wasn't. It's also the plot that did happen right now. I'm not particularly interested in in mm. a way. Like the whole, I mean, so, I mean, there's interesting things like, like, you know, you, we did learn lots of new stuff about Lucien, for example, and that he's, uh, I mean, this is a general point. I wrote, this is one of the few points I wrote down is like, Antonio, would you like to spend time with any of the characters in this book? <laughs> Just anyone. Um, Sonia seems like a nice person, but yeah, exactly. she's a bit like, don't, uh, She's not the most critical thinker or the smartest person. This is actually maybe a good thing to talk about because um, this whole scene when he comes to visit Sonia and basically proposes to spend their lives together. It wasn't a direct proposal for marriage, yeah. but it came close. And she seems to have, which is also, you know, must be understood in the context of the time, she felt very guilty for being a prostitute and... Um, that she's a sinner, etc. As a religious person. Yeah, she's very religious. Um, obviously, during that time, religion played a different role than it does now. Um, she also doesn't seem... Yeah, she's not... She basically believes that she's going to end up in hell um, and that she is sinning and has brought shame and that it's all her fault. From an outsider's perspective, you think, like, 
poor little girl. Oh, she's not a little girl, but she's 18. But poor girl. Yeah, but pretty much. Yeah, yeah um, she's driven into prostitution. Definitely wasn't her choice. It's definitely not what she enjoys. Um, and then was also kicked out of the family home because she's sinner. But like none of this was her fault. Like She obviously doesn't have any other way. At least she doesn't know of any other way to, to make money. She didn't learn to trade other than prostitution, obviously, but so, um, so I think I don't think you learn that as a trade. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't think you go to trade school. <laughs> well, but it's more like a learning on the street. Learning by doing, yeah. Yeah, but but so I think she's like a very kind character. She doesn't have a lot of of depth to her, but she definitely seems like. I mean, she almost can't have a lot of depth to her, right? And yeah. She's so desperate, just trying to. I mean, she's trying sure. to. I mean, and I also feel like some of the stuff. I mean, this is basically the part that where Raskolnikov is again just being incredibly obnoxious uh, when he says like, "Oh, you're, you know, when why don't you kill yourself?" And well, what, but, what your siblings will yeah. do the same that you're doing all that kind of stuff, right? Like she she pretends that that won't happen, but it's also just. I mean, there's also a question like how much she says it won't happen, how much she actually believes it won't happen if she were to not support them. Yeah, I I found this scene interesting as well. But I think what he was, was what his agenda was was to understand whether these are thoughts she has herself because she is kind of agreeing with him. She's like, oh no, no, that, that mustn't happen. But in a way that makes him assume that these are thoughts she has herself as for example killing herself she she didn't like react strongly disagree with him but she was kind of like yeah but you know kind of like yes i've, I've had this thought before thinking about it however it came to the i think even he just recognized and no, i don't even know whether she said it but yeah she he at least thinks that she had these thoughts before yeah 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 no she doesn't explicitly say it but this is how he per- perceives it so, yes, it is obnoxious, but it was it's a very interesting strategy to figure out whether somebody has had certain thoughts. I don't know what I would practically. I wouldn't. I know, why is that such an important thing to know? I think I, mean, I don't think he he's... even wanted to find out either, right? No, he I think was, he I mean, did. harassing her the entire time. No, I really miss it. Like, understood differently. I think that he's fallen in love with her and he wants to rescue her. Yeah, but why do you... I mean, I, I, maybe he was nervous about the whole proposing in a really weird way. Uh, but uh, I can't remember exactly the details anymore. But, like, there are some uncomfortable truth, a lot of uncomfortable truths in her life. And you don't need to highlight each and one of them in front of her and make her feel bad about every one of them. Yeah. And I really, yeah, and obviously I completely agree. And I don't think that this was a great way to go about it. However, I still believe that he, his intention was different. And I think that his intention was not to make her feel bad about herself, but to... First of all, as he said, find out what, what she was thinking. And then also, I think at some point I was waiting for this, that he would tell her, well, I know these are your thoughts, but they're bullshit. 
I'm waiting for, I think this is not the end of it. There is something is going to come. Well, he kind of already did that, right? He did tell her that. Yeah, but then. For example, when he said like, well, your sister's going to end up the same way you will. And she's like, no, it won't. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it will. She will, sorry. Mm. Yeah, but I I don't know. I feel, I think with Raskolnikov, you never quite know what he's thinking. And he doesn't either. So that whole scene for me was just a bit, I think I was slightly annoyed when I read that scene because it just seemed a bit arbitrary. Also, the Svidrigalnov listening to the whole thing, which I just thought that was very poorly done, just in, in writing terms. Hmm. Just like, oh, yeah, there's this room that no one knows about, and he's listening the entire time. I don't know. It seemed a bit random. Also, like, the whole... Th- like, okay, so maybe he wants... I mean, sure. Uh, maybe he wants to find out what she's thinking, this kind of stuff. But he's also... Um, then the whole thing, like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you who killed Lisa Vita and that kind of stuff. Uh, like, what? <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I just don't understand any of what he's trying to do. It just seems... Uh... I think, so the way I read this is that he, if he really wants to spend his life with her or marry her or whatever, it appeared to me maybe that he would want to be honest um, and be clear like mm-hmm. kind of like start a relationship in somewhat kind of like blank slate <laughs> let's start this relationship on a good part i killed your friend ah, no but i think that maybe that was the intention because he seems to be somewhat honest to his heart, so he doesn't so i guess also some one thing i just overlooked is that he didn't know that the two that that's Sonia and Elisabetta knew it, he didn't know that that was only revealed in the chapter. So I guess maybe that was something he didn't plan on doing. That's fair enough. Yeah. But then she, when, after he's left, she's completely confused and doesn't know, doesn't understand why he knows who had killed Elisabetta. And then I was like, oh, wouldn't, isn't that the point where a normal person would be a bit suspicious? But maybe not. Yeah, but he helped her so much, right? I mean, even yeah. if he uh, was uh, not very nice to her in this entire chapter so far, he's basically paid the funeral for her father and seemed like a very helpful guy, right? So you don't immediately go like, oh, yeah, he probably killed her. That's why he knows. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, maybe you're right. What is still a mystery is what the person whose name so difficult to pronounce. Svitrigailov. Svitrigailov. What he wants, what his agenda is. S. S, yeah. I always write these people down just by their first letter, which is annoying about Razumikin or Raskolnikov. So I call Razumikin Raz with a Z. But <laughs> yeah, it's too, too, too many, too long names. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what is what does he want? Because so there is, obviously, so his wife died and there are some rumors sorry can you uh, do you remember that plot line because the whole thing about that and his wife and all that stuff i think that's in the letter raskolnikov's mum writes in the beginning i think that's where it's mentioned but i basically just i didn't rem- even try to remember most of that because it didn't seem that interesting to me so i don't really know i don't remember exactly what what's going on in that plot line like also how does Ras- Ras- raskolnikov's sister relate to them did she and so I remember, was, like, the, and the letter that this person kept reading to the entire village. I just don't remember the. No, so I think that she was a maid in their household. And then Svidri Gailov, he. 
I think he hit on her basically and proposed to have some like decent relationship. And then she refused, but was I think it was in a bit of a difficult situation because she obviously rejected him. But then his wife found out, and at the beginning, the wife thought that something had happened or that actually the sister had has hit on, on him or initiated that thing. But then the wife realized that this was not true um, and apologized to her. And then the wife died, and there's some rumors that he had beaten her which are not confirmed, so we don't know. But he, shortly after the wife's death, he's going to St. Petersburg, which is now, and he's now looking for the sister. And he seems to be interested in her romantically or sexually, I don't know. But it's a bit bit confusing because he offers her, via Oskolnikov, he offers her, the money so that she doesn't um she doesn't get married to Lucin. But we don't know, like it seems a, a lot of money for like what what is what does he really want? And then also so why he is really he have money, right? Pardon? Because he's not getting any of so is if I remember correctly, this Marfa Petrovna, his wife, had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's giving it to her children, right? Or something. Yeah. So he's not actually getting the money. Yeah. So he's in theory not rich to give her to give Voskalenkov's sister this money. Exactly. So, yeah, it seems a bit weird, but, and I think he, now that he's listened to the whole conversation between Sonia and Voskalenkov, he's probably trying to one on one together and knows that Voskalenkov is the murderer. So, does he even know about that there was a murder? Or is this whole murder thing kind of new to him when he's listening to them? I'm not, I mean, there's of course the question of like, why is he even listening? Like, it's very clear that he was there to listen to Zonia. So God knows maybe he was sent by someone to listen to her. Well, he followed her, no? So like the, in the part before, Sonia walks home and she doesn't realize that a man is following her. And then. Okay. Neither it, did I. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and we don't really know who this man is, but it's obviously uh, him. Okay. So, and I, I think maybe you know he mentions at some point, well, he's got a new bride, um, so he's gonna remarry soon. And I think maybe oh, he right. thinks yeah. that he's gonna marry Sonia. Like, I don't know, saw like a, a a pretty girl and was then like, hmm, she would she would make a good one. I don't know. You mean he's doing the the whole Lucian thing about, ooh, here's a pretty and very poor and vulnerable person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Who knows? Like, um, it's just my assumption. But it's definitely not the whole story because he has some interest in Skoinko's sister. But does he have a sister? I don't know. It seems like if you, I mean, he explicitly said, like, right, like, I have no interest in her. It'd be weird to. I have interest in her and I tell you, you just drank an empty glass. There was nothing in there. <laughs> was it? Okay. It looked like you were just drinking from an empty glass. Um, sorry. The, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> um, you think that he doesn't have any interest in, in the system? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, if he, I mean, 
sure, maybe he's lying or whatever, but it would be a bit random to just appear and say, hey, I'll give him money to not marry that guy. I'm not interested in her, and then he's somehow is interested in her. I think he might just have something against Lucien rather than anything else. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's the character I probably understand the least. I think because I basically just blanked out that plot line uh, almost entirely until until now when it became unavoidable. Yeah, um, but he has some agenda because he also it seems like he left for some people some Petersburg very quickly. So it seems like there was something that triggered his. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, the, the, that's the whole criticism, right? That he supposedly maybe didn't kill his wife, but at least had something to do with the death. And then, you know, instead of mourning or whatever, a day later or two days later, he's in St. Petersburg offering now Oskolnikov money so his sister doesn't get married. Mm. I mean, yeah, he, he definitely has some sort of agenda, mm. uh, maybe multiple, but... I don't. Do we know what? I don't think we know what it is right now, right? No, but I, I wonder whether he's gonna use his new knowledge to blackmail somebody. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. But in a way, that makes sense. But that doesn't solve the problem of where he gets his money because he told Raskolnikov he get the money before he got this information. So yeah, yeah. Um. Um. Well, the second question is: Does he actually have the money? Yeah. There's a lot of questions here. There's also, like, right now, I'm just assuming that, so obviously, so Lucien seems out of the picture right now. We'll see whether he makes a return. But right now, he's out of the picture. So right now, or when that scene happened, they kicked him out. I thought, ah, okay, I see what they're doing. They're going to take the money from Svetrigalnikov, Svetrigalov, whatever his name is, and say, like, oh, yeah, okay, we're, we're in on the, you know, give us the 10,000 ruble, we're not marrying it, even though it's kind of coincidental. So first of all, that's kind of where the story's going, right? They're just... Mm. Well, I guess he never specified why she shouldn't get married to Lucien. Yeah. But he doesn't, yeah. Like, whatever his agenda is, it doesn't seem like it's a... Positive. Positive one or, like, <laughs> altruistic one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's seen... I mean, everyone's afraid of him also, right? It wasn't... Yeah, yeah, like, um, sister's definitely afraid and says to mother and, like, yeah, seems like it. One part that was interesting, jumping ahead a bit, was this scene in with the chief investigator. So first the chief investigator kind of, like, talks to him and it's like a monologue of how he's going to catch the murderer, but just, like, not... Actually, being... uh, just shall we just quickly... Just talk about loose interest for a second before we get there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure there's like that much I have to say. I just thought it seems to me like right now he might be out of the picture for the rest of the book. I don't know. And he seemed like a, like you do wonder why on earth his sister, Oskarnikov's sister, wanted to marry him. Because as soon as he starts talking there, I mean, of course, he's always in hostile environments there. But he seems to be so calculating about the whole thing. And wait, I wrote... There was like one quote about it which made him sound borderline psychopathic at least. Yeah, so uh, so he'd just been kicked out, right? I said, so this is the beginning of part of chapter three of part four. The main point was that until the very last moment, such an outcome was the last thing he'd have expected. He'd blustered all the way to the end, never even recognizing the possibility that two penniless and defenseless women could escape from under his thumb. I thought that's... Uh, 
Mm. Nice way of phrasing it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess and the whole, uh, they had never really spent a lot of time with each other before, right? The sister and Lucy. Seem like it. So I think on her part, it was mainly about the money and she thought that he was decent enough to be married to, but then, you know, like, it's a, a relationship. He's harmless thing. enough or whatever. Yeah. I, I, well, that's how I understood it. She, she thought, well, it would be like, it would be bearable, but she would be safe and have enough money to live a comfortable life. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, of course, the, like one thing that just struck me is how calculating it was. So, I mean, it's clear from the beginning, right, not from the beginning, but that from as soon as his sister's mother arrived in St. Petersburg, he kept not meeting them, like twice or something, right? He was like, oh, yeah, I have this important business thing. And even here, he was like, you know, I have to leave now for my important business stuff. So it's clear that, you know, that's mainly what he's about. But then there was this paragraph, I think, in part three, uh, just a page or two later, where he almost, like, outlined his whole dream about, like, you know, and I can go to St. Petersburg and I can, I can, you know, rise up the social ladder and like this poor, pretty girl will help me do this and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I mean, in some sense, of course, she's not doing anything much different in a way. Um, and that she's saying, Oh yeah, maybe I don't like him or whatever, but he's, he's fine enough and I won't have to worry about money anymore. But I was mm. surprised just at how just calculated the whole thing was yeah well obviously didn't turn out the way he had anticipated not yet maybe there'll be another plot twist yeah no he will i think he will come back because like in the end he says something like oh well okay i have to sort this out tomorrow yeah and i wonder also him coming down basically at the same time as svidrigailov ah i wonder do they know each other i don't know um yeah yeah. I feel like the, the two of them might have some sort of scene together at some point. Yeah. Just because they both came down at the same time, basically, and have more or less the same interest. Yeah. Or opposing interests in that sense. Yeah. We'll see. I just, yeah, I just wanted to now briefly just mention that chapter. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about Porfiry Petrovich? Yeah. So there's like the first, at the beginning, it's, is him telling Raskolnikov how he will catch the murderer by not doing anything and by not doing anything the murderer almost like a a fly flying to the light will just kind of like out themselves in, in some some way um and by talking like this he makes Raskolnikov think that he knows and that he's got some evidence that Raskolnikov is the murderer and then they have to think turns into a discussion, whatever. And then Mikolai, I think his name is, comes in yeah. unexpected, unexpectedly. And I think and it was unexpected also for yeah. Petrovich, right? Yeah, yeah Mikolai. And he, although it's quite clear to, obviously, the reader, but, but also I think it seems clear to other people that he's innocent, he admits to having murdered the women. And, With an axe, even said. And he also, um, and it seems like, I mean, it's a very short scene, but it seems seems also that Mikolai himself thinks um, he's done it or believes in it. So this alludes to him having been, I don't know, maybe 
Like, I don't know what sort of interrogation methods they were using, but... Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I think Raskolnikov thinks, right? That they yeah. basically just... Or I think he even says that to Porfiry Petrovich, like, oh, you just put him under so much pressure. Yeah, yeah. So, But but I think this is interesting in a sense that there's like now somebody like admitting to the murder which Raskolnikov has committed... And I wonder, like, we don't really know what he thinks, but, like, I think this might still be a very important scene where he sees in front of his eyes an innocent man admitting to something that he's done himself and having probably he will have to face the consequences for a Skolnikov section unless something changes. But if that's kind of like the status quo, Mikolai will probably be executed or I don't know. Um, and I wonder, yeah, how this changes the, yeah, the feeling of guilt, responsibility, et cetera, so how, how, how this will affect Raskolnikov's next actions. Yeah, in a way, this was almost a scene I've been waiting for since the murder happened, because I felt like part of the punishment is going to be seeing someone else at the very least accused or have a reputation ruined or maybe even tried and found guilty whatever for the crime i've basically been waiting for this to happen so raskolnikov has to see like someone else take his own the the consequences of his own actions yeah um and i think actually that that's i mean this is definitely going to be a part i think because of one small detail in what mikolai said because i've already forgotten again who Mikolai was was he one of the two people who went up did, did the painter he was uh, the painter like they were refurbishing oh, he was one of the painters okay. yeah but the one thing but the crucial detail here is that he said and I think this is going to be why this is going to be a major part in the next or until the end because he's Mikolai said I did on my own this whatever his friend was or the other guy had nothing to do with it this part of like him actively shielding another person mm. from this. Yeah. And I wonder whether um, Askolnikov's going to look at that and go like, oh man, look, he's trying to like protect almost his friend or something yeah. from the consequences of this. Whereas I'm here just letting this happen to someone who's completely innocent. Yeah. So I, th- I think this is basically what part five is going to be, would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, possible. But I find it interesting that I mean, part, okay, here's a, here's a, a, before I forget this very important question. Do you think maybe Mikolai did commit the murder and Raskolnikov was hallucinating the entire time because he's clearly off his mind for the entire book? Uh, do you think maybe Raskolnikov didn't actually commit the murder? Mm, it's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> almost like split personality. Um, not even split. He just like completely. Yeah, lost or just like a complete. You know, uh, like he heard about this thing and then just made up all this stuff yeah. around it because, like his, you know, as I said at the beginning, his escape was kind of miraculous. It was complete dumb luck that he managed to get away with it. Yeah. Whereas Mikolai getting away with it would be a lot less um, miraculous. That would make a lot more sense. Um, I still don't think so. It would be an interesting picture, <laughs> yeah, <me> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I don't think so. What is more, I think, and we touched upon this a bit earlier, was um, this tradesman. I don't know, like, is he real? Yep. Is he not real? Um, it was quite interesting, this last scene of him entering the flat 
and also being a bit But that weird. was clearly a hallucination, right? Because it said like, he appeared out of the ground, something like that was the Yeah, statement. I don't know. Like, I didn't, yeah, I find it weird. Yeah. So the way I interpreted it, so at first I thought like, okay, this is just a really weird scene. But then I thought like, okay, what they're basically trying, what Dostoevsky is basically trying to do is Raskolnikov. So he just, wait, let me see. I mean, I can't remember all the details, but he just talked to Pefi Petrovich about all of this stuff, right? About, and Pefi Petrovich had said like, oh yeah, look, you, you even went up to this flat and all this stuff, right? Like you went up to the flat, blah, blah, blah. And then I think Raskolnikov, just by like going over in his memory all those things, realizes like, oh wait, that guy was there. Like I remember actually mm-hmm. when I went there the second time, he was actually there. And I think that's all that Dostoevsky is trying to do is that Raskolnikov just kind of realized like, wait a minute, there actually is no evidence. Even the guy who seemed to be like a, a prime witness to the murder, he actually only saw like the weird stuff that he did uh, that Raskolnikov did afterwards. There is actually no one who saw him do anything. So I think that's all that, or that I think that's all that Dostoevsky is trying to do with it. Mm. But then do you think that this tradesman is um, or her hallucination, if it isn't hallucination, would be almost like his conscious or his like? I see. G- um, g- g- yeah, the, the, the guilt just eating him up, or like I don't know, like always coming back and. And being very present and telling him. And no, I don't think so. Or, hmm, I mean, this is something we talked about last time where I said, like, he never, I think we talked about the murder of Lizaveta, mm-hmm. where Raskolnikov in the last part mentioned her for the first time. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling any guilt about murdering her. So maybe the tradesman is a kind of sign that Raskolnikov is starting to feel guilt now. But. The tradesman only appeared in part three, right? So in a way, well, then again, Raskolnikov didn't feel any guilt before the guy came. So yeah, maybe. yeah but we also don't really know this because we don't really know what he thinks. And also it could be just um suppressed feeling of guilt now, you know, like symptoms. Yeah, I wonder about that. So this is something I find really tricky in terms of just interpreting the writing um, because... In a way, we learn a lot about Oskolnikov's inner thoughts, or as opposed to outer thoughts. Yeah. Uh, we learn a lot about his thoughts. Um, and uh, a lot of it is done through his actions, right, where we have to infer his thoughts. And a lot of it is also done directly, where he just says or thinks something and the thoughts are written out and that mm. kind of stuff, right? But I don't know whether his erratic behavior in the beginning, I mean, this is something I think we talked about last time also, whether his erratic behavior is a sign of his guilt or just of his fear of getting caught. I think my tendency would be to say he's just afraid of getting caught and doesn't feel any guilt because otherwise he would have at least thought about Lisaveta and uh, if Ilona, whatever his name was, her name was, um, I think he would have th- his, I feel like if he had been feeling guilt, he would have actually thought about them more explicitly. And that would have been mentioned in the book. Uh, but I don't know. Mm. It, it kind of could be either. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is we, like, we don't... Maybe we do know his thoughts, but we definitely don't really know his feelings, do we? So it's like he... We know what he thinks about... Sometimes we also don't always know what he thinks about, but sometimes we have like... In a kind of like dialogues. Monologue. I mean, uh, I said I'm not entirely sure how we 
differentiate feelings and emotions and all that kind of stuff. But we do at least sometimes hear that he's like agitated and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Or that he's nervous or. True. So, yeah, but in a way, it, it, he is still, even though it is interesting how we, it, it seems like he's described quite a lot um, about his thoughts and all this kind of stuff, but in a way, also not. In a way, we still don't really know what he's thinking. It comes and goes also. Like sometimes, sometimes he's talking to somebody and then we, we hear his thoughts along the lines of, oh, why did I say this? And oh, why did I say this in like such a shrieky voice? But then sometimes the dialogues and you don't know what he's thinking at all. And all of a sudden he says something, throws something in that comes out of the blue. So it's, it's not constant in, in that sense, I think. Yeah. I keep wondering whether that's intentional or whether it's just like it's hard to write a novel. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know whether this is intentional, what Osievsky was. Because in a way, it fits also the thing, right? Of him just being very erratic the entire time. It's, it's precisely not the case that we always know about his emotions or something like that, because that in a way wouldn't fit Raskolnikov, a guy who is just erratic almost the entire book. So in a way, just like having his, uh, having like a, a commentary on his emotional state throughout the book would almost be weird. Um, it, it felt like it would be too consistent almost, but I don't know whether that's intentional or not. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I've, I imagine that Dostoevsky was aware of this. I've almost, yeah. I'm just, um, obviously only my, my gut feeling here, but it seems almost like he's using it as a tool. So he's like switching perspective. And yeah. yeah, but sometimes it seems to me it doesn't seem there was one thing where he just switched perspective, and I was like, I don't think this is intent. Like I can't remember where it was, but it wasn't this part where, yeah. Sometimes his his whose perspective he's taking to me sometimes seems also not entirely the way he's switching. It doesn't always seem entirely consistent. So I, I yeah, I don't know. But. It- I think by switching perspective, you change the focus, right? Because you can, if you see the scene from somebody else's perspective, obviously the focus is also different. So it seems to me like that's what he's trying to do. And uh, Yeah, yeah, it just seems to me he could have, uh, sometimes maybe it jumps a bit too quickly. Maybe it would have been fine had they just like had a, not just like next line, you change perspective, but you put like an entire blank line in between or something. Maybe like that would have helped me, but sometimes I felt like the switch in perspective was kind of sudden and not particularly uh, elegantly made. True. Then again, that's not the kind of. Um, I wondered, yeah. though, so it makes it definitely more difficult. Difficult is the wrong word, but yeah, in a sense, more difficult to read because you have to pay so much more attention. Because if you miss one sentence where the perspective and etc. changes, yeah. then you completely lost um, track. So, however, I wonder whether this switching perspective with a blank line, isn't that more like modern writing style? I don't feel like this would have felt weird. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't really think of any novel or written piece from that time that would do this. To me, seems maybe I'm wrong. But it seems like more I like how like you're a, pretending like you've read a lot of books from 1850. Yeah, definitely pretending. <laughs> well, you don't like have any evidence. I've read. I can't think of anyone. 
<laughs> no, I haven't read many books from the time, so I don't know either. And it's yeah. not something I pay too much. Here's the thing, right? I think if it's well done, it's something you don't even notice. If if the writer is clearly in control of the perspective through which they're presenting whatever, mm -hmm. then it's not something you really notice that much, unless that's the point. But mm -hmm. yeah, and and here it just sometimes felt like, are you reading? Okay, we're reading Raskolnikov's thought, and suddenly, like from one end to the next, you're suddenly now in third person perspective. It just seemed mm -hmm. a bit. A bit of a jump sometimes. But I think this is also, I do remember like last time or the time before I mentioned it, I think sometimes it reads like a play. Um, and as you mentioned that this part definitely reads like a play. And I think one of the reasons is this switch of perspective, because sometimes you have like this yeah. inner monologue by Raskolnikov and then he almost like leaves the scene, leaves the stage. And then there's somebody yeah. else talking to somebody else and I think I get this sense sometimes and this is very much like in a play right you can have like you can hear somebody having a an inner monologue and then they leave and then it's somebody else's perspective and I think yeah I wonder whether do we know whether he's written any plays or the Dostoevsky in, yeah uh, at least he's not famous for them yeah. If he has, I mean, he's famous for his last, the big novels he wrote in the like second half of his life. Mm. But I don't know. But I don't know. Also, like again, I'm not. Yeah, I just haven't read enough literature from the time to be able to just really say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, we we'll leave that one open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, in a way, it does. If you want a book where where you have this. It's almost like the the, the the narrative choice is a bit erratic too, um, in that sense. And I think again, if if you want, this would probably be the book to do that, um, to have, because you have this narrator who's completely erratic. But uh, you can also, yeah, I'm not sure how much we're <laughs> excusing Dostoevsky for not paying super close attention to <laughs> perspective. I don't know. I mean, also, you know, this was, you know, when he wrote this, like, he couldn't just, like, change it in Word quickly, right? You have to, like, type up the entire thing again. Like, yeah. Just, it's like, ah, oh, whatever it will do. It's like, ah, oh, it's all typed out now. Uh, yeah, fine. Let's just keep it. Yeah, no, the editing was definitely something different back then, I imagine. They didn't, um, even, well, they didn't have typewriters. There you go, right? So, oh, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. When was the typewriter in, invented? Okay, I'm going to do some investigative journalism right now and go to and put typewriter into Google and see when it was invented because this is precisely the kind of quality that this podcast offers. The first commercial typewriters were introduced in 1874. So that's 20 years after this novel. There you go. So he was writing this by hand. Probably. It explains everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not going to write an entire part again just because the perspective is slightly off. Anyway, do we have anything more to say about the actual novel rather than <laughs> whatever it is we've been doing for the last five um, minutes? Maybe I'll ask then something. Uh, I already asked this kind of last time, but now we have a second scene with Pervoy Petrovich. So now, do you think, it's the same question I asked last time, do you think he's toying with... Raskolnikov, or do you think he's maybe just very aloof? So my sense was for sure that he knew what had happened, but then now, but he has some agenda for why he wants to let Raskolnikov, yeah, remain free. 
and I mean, I wonder, like, at some point, whether maybe the thing he was saying was just a hundred percent true because he did say these things, like, no, 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 we're just gonna, like, he was, you know, telling us Kolnikov, no, no, we're gonna let the murder run around free, almost like a, like a, uh, was like an oracle when mm -hmm. they say something and it's definitely gonna come true, almost like, no, no, we're gonna let the murder come true, knowing that it's probably Oskolnikov. Uh, sorry, we're gonna let him go free, and then he's gonna reveal himself. Uh, because he can't stand it or something like that. I wonder whether he's almost telling, like, yeah, yeah, you're going to give in. Like, I've got you. I think this is what, like, this is how I read it. Um, but what then seems to be very interesting is when Mikulai comes in and admits having murdered um, the women, then Chief Investigator knows that this is not true. Like, he even says so. He says something like, oh, these are not your words. So, like, he mumbles something along the lines but of... Did he actually? So I can't remember. So I remember... Wait, let me check this. Because I remember Raskolnikov thinking that later on. But I didn't remember him actually saying that. Yeah, um, but then he says, oh, you can... Look. Wait, let me... Yeah, let's just check this. I mean... Yeah, so he says on page 425, so you noticed me telling Mikulai just now that he... Those were in his word, his own words. Wait, so where is it? Where on the page, page? four hundred twenty-five. Yeah, I'm on the page, but where? At the first, in the first third. He he he. So you noticed me telling Mikolaj just now that those were in his own words. How could I not? He he. You're wit, sir. You really are. Nothing ex escapes your notice. Such a playful mind, sir, and such a gift for winking out comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might actually ask earlier whether there's one person you, I'd like to spend time with or you would like to spend time with. I think if this, this might just be a big act of it and he might actually be a lot of fun and he's just doing his job basically and winding Koskonikov up the entire time. Um. Well, I think he knows that Mikola isn't a murderer. But, uh, I mean, like it seems very unlikely. I'm just reading this again now and it's just this. So, Mikolai is now, I'm the killer, Mikolai repeated after the briefest of pauses. How? You? How? Uh, who have you killed? Bofi Petrovich seemed quite lost. Again, Mikolai paused briefly. Aliona Ivanovich and his sister Lizaveta Ivanovna. I killed them. Um, wait, I just called it Alonia Ivanovich. That makes no sense. Uh, with an axe. I was like a, like a blackout. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, it seems like Bobby Petrovich is really surprised by the whole thing. Uh, he's like, wait, you're not the killer. Why, why are you saying all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so I think he knows, and I th I, th I, think he has assumptions that Dostoevsky is the killer. So, but we, like, it's weird, but we, we don't know. It might also be that because this whole, dialogue discussion we very much perceive from Raskolnikov's position or perspective so maybe this like sense exactly, of yeah. this could just be like that we think that the chief investigator knows just because it's from the perspective of Raskolnikov who's obviously like super on high alert and sees ghosts everywhere that's actually one thing I was thinking about um, when I was reading that was the whole thing about how your uh, basically predictive coding is what I was thinking about, you know, how your knowledge or your belief about something changes yeah. the way you perceive it. Yeah. And I was wondering the entire time to what extent this was actually happening quite the way it was described or maybe whether Oskolnikov was 
just exaggerating everything because he's trying so hard not to say he's the murderer. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I wondered about that too, whether, because of course, like if you're really on edge and you're trying not to do something and some guy's just being just annoying and ob- obnoxious and oblivious about everything, like it just, it must be so infuriating when this guy just keeps bumbling about all sorts of stuff. But mm. I agree with you. I think that's, it's intentional from uh, Porfiry Petrovich. I think he's just trying to wind Raskolnikov up so much yeah. <laughs> until he just gives in. Yeah. Oh, we'll see in the next part. Yeah. So, what's Maybe. gonna happen next part, Antonio? Um, uh, next part is, I think, the shortest. Actually, I think it's. Is it? I think okay. it's ninety pages. Interesting. Yeah, right. I think there's probably gonna be something with Sonia. Again, I mean, we we must at some point find out. Oh, sorry, only five chapters. Next part. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss anyone. Yeah, five chapters, ninety pages. So it's quite a bit shorter than. Yep. Sorry. Zanya. Um, Svidri. Svidri Gailov. Yeah, what he's gonna do? Like, we need to know. Need to find out more about him. And yeah. So I think that's definitely gonna happen. And yeah, Mikulai. I imagine there might be some further developments around. Him. I want, like, uh, what do you mean by further development? Like, in terms of him doing something or saying something? No, or but it might be like what, what uh, we touched upon earlier that it might change how Raskolnikov thinks about his actions or how he feels about right, them yeah. when he sees somebody else kind of like, um, yeah, having to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. But I think, yeah, maybe something also around Lucien having another girl and trying to get back together with Raskolnikov's uh, sister. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was, I think he just, he was so not expecting his two visits with the family to go like this that I wonder whether he's just going to, like, he was just overwhelmed by the whole thing. Then again, he's also a massive drama queen. Uh, and everyone is just annoying when they all talk. <laughs> but, um, you know, the whole thing, like, oh, he insulted me. Yeah. And I can, it's either him, it's Raskolnikov or me. It he was very me. childlike. It's like, oh, calm yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, I, okay, so the, I mean, I imagine the first scene's going to be the funeral, right? Because that's kind of where the, the Yeah, ends, or so. the banquet. Bank, bank. Oh, yeah, sorry, he missed the funeral, you're right. Yeah, he, yeah. he missed the funeral already. Wait. Uh, okay, so uh, same question as last time. Is Raskolnikov going to get arrested? No, I think that's going to happen in the last part. Or like any kind of like final thing, because otherwise there would be um, kind of like... But he could be arrested in part five and trialed or, I True. don't know, executed or whatever in part six, but True. do you think? I don't think be? so. Do you think so? Okay. Um, so again, it's 90 pages. Um, no, I think it's going to end again with a kind of this time some final thing that he's mm. going to get caught. I think it's, it's, it's going to end in some, maybe some actual evidence or Raskolnikov's just going to lose his mind and say that he did it, but I don't think they're actually going to arrest him. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well. we'll see. <laughs> I just hope. It's not too much of family drama. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay.